Brendan D. Murphy. A holographic information processor. Some 2,500 years ago the Buddhist Avatamsaka Sutra described the cosmos allegorically through the imagery of Indra's net. In the heavenly abode of the deity Indra, there was cast an infinite net reaching in all directions, and at each node point in the net there was a jewel, each reflecting the light of all the others, infinitely. Should any jewel be touched, each of the infinite other jewels would instantly be affected, presaging physicist John Bell's theorem that everything is interconnected in this interdependent universe. In particular, the Buddhist vision illustrates the concepts of dependent origination and interpenetration. All phenomena arise together and are intimately connected in a mutually interdependent web of cause and effect, according to Wikipedia, for the Hawaiian school, Indra's net symbolizes a universe where infinitely repeated mutual relations exist between all members of the universe. This essentially describes a holographic universe which organizes its emergent phenomena fractally, our holographic universe. In the Tao of Physics, Fritjof Kopper explains the relevance of Indra's net to particle physics, stating that particles are dynamically composed of one another in a self-consistent way, and in that sense can be said to contain one another. This is a principle of the hologram, that each part contains within it the information that codes for the whole. In other words, all information fundamentally exists non-locally, infinitely reflected in all the facets of existence. So, what is a hologram? A hologram is a 3D image you can observe from different angles, produced when a single laser light is split into two separate beams. The first beam is bounced off the object to be photographed. Then the second beam is allowed to collide with the reflected light of the first on photographic emulsion, film. When this happens, the two beams create an interference pattern that is recorded on the film, an image that looks nothing at all like the object photographed, and somewhat resembling the concentric rings that form when a handful of pebbles is tossed into a pond but as soon as another laser beam, or in some instances just a bright light source, is shined through the film, a three-dimensional image of the original object reappears. What's more, if the image is, for example, cut down the middle, or even divided into dozens of fragments, each section will contain not a particular section of the object, but the whole thing, albeit at a lower resolution. The information is essentially distributed non-locally throughout the holographic film. Sound familiar? The hologram's ability to store and process massive amounts of data is essentially due to the properties of light, which, incidentally, the body's own DNA and cellular systems all use to communicate throughout our physical organism. Scientist and author David Yurth considers the photon itself to be localized information in its purest form. In 1997 a young physicist named Juan Maldacena used M-theory and brains, D-brains to be exact, to suggest that the entirety of the manifest world could be a holographic projection of information embodied in its boundary. Remarkably, using the information content from only two dimensions in space, we can create a hologram depicting all three dimensions. The number of pixels the hologram comprises is proportional only to the area of the region being described, not the volume, which suggests that how far away the supposed boundary of our universe is is unimportant in projecting our reality. The assertion that the multiverse is created by holographically organized information is increasingly being supported at all known levels of existence. According to Irvin Laszlo and Jude Curvin, the latest discoveries across all scientific disciplines are revealing, the physical world is being imbued with and informed by a holographic field, thus it is innately interrelated, coherent, and harmonic at all scales of existence. Recently, German scientists using equipment for detecting gravitational waves encountered a particular and unexpected noise possibly the sound of the microscopic quantum convulsions of space-time, according to Craig Hogan, a physicist at Fermilab in Illinois. Hogan had actually predicted the existence of this sound and approached the Germans with his explanation, suspecting that it may be due to the universe being a giant cosmic hologram.
Physicist Rafael Busso has written, The world doesn't appear to us like a hologram, but in terms of the information needed to describe it, it is one. The amazing thing is that the holographic principle works for all areas in all spacetimes. Further proving this applies to all scales, quantum in this case, researchers at IBM created a holographic projection in a carefully arranged assembly of several dozen cobalt atoms 20 nanometers in diameter. When they inserted a magnetic cobalt atom into the ellipse and bombarded it with electrons at one focal point of the ellipse, a fully configured ghostly image of the atom appeared at the other focus of the ellipse. Leading string theorist Leonard Susskind has pondered that, only of the strangest discoveries of modern physics is that the world is a kind of holographic image. Indeed, David Boom and Carl Pribram discovered the holographic properties of nature concurrently for themselves while working in the physical domain and the realm of the human brain, respectively. Adding to this, Laszlo and Curvin clarify that a system's information is more fundamental than the energy through which that system manifests and expresses itself. The probabilities describing a system are never random, but represent information, no matter the field of study, including quantum physics. Everything is fundamentally informational. Anton Zeilinger states succinctly in Dance of the Photons that the concepts of reality and information cannot be separated from each other. This is illustrated brilliantly by Thomas Chaco in an excellent article on apparent electromagnetic, M, randomness being broadcast over the frequencies of a digital mobile phone network which college students, unaware that the frequencies they were observing belonged to actual intelligent conversations between living people, were instructed to investigate. The students analyzed the data using a statistical approach that allowed them to make predictions of many events within their frequency band. They had become quite convinced that their theory actually described the reality, and statistically speaking, it did to some extent. However, Chaco points out that by adopting a statistical approach the students completely missed millions of very real intelligent phone conversations, because they simply couldn't conceive that the data that appeared to them as random was actually the consequence of a very intelligently encoded information transfer. The thought of trying to decode their data never even occurred to them. The inference is clear, true randomness is an illusion, an artifact of limited perception and knowledge. The universe deals in intelligently encoded information that is perhaps intrinsically meaningful and thereby creates an ordered and meaningful cosmos, but there are many ways to analyze and extract information and meaning from the one system, complementarity. The phone calls taking place between people manifested within the M-band as seemingly random fluctuations, but in reality these fluctuations were the result of conscious choices being made each moment by the people holding the conversations that possessed and expressed meaning to them in their own particular methods of analysis. The phone calls taking place looked random to the students because of the way they looked at them, they were not decoding them in a way that allowed them to extract or perceive the embedded meaning within privy to the speakers. What if the vacuum's random quantum fluctuations are really the functions or effects of a language being spoken by the holographic cosmos as it converses non-locally between its many component parts? What if lurking behind it all is conscious choice, on a scale we can barely begin to comprehend? In a holographic and self-referencing, holofractal, universe, if sentience and intelligence exist at one scale, they must exist on all of them. It is interesting that Bohm's research into plasmas yielded the observation that electrons in a plasma configuration began to act as if they were part of a larger, interconnected whole, so much so that he frequently had the impression that the electron C was alive. Mercia Sangelo Vishu and colleagues have even created plasma spheres that can grow, replicate and communicate, fulfilling most traditional requirements for biological-slash-living cells. Scaling things up, single-celled slime molds demonstrate the ability to memorize and anticipate repeated events, a team of Japanese researchers reported in January 2008. The study clearly shows a primitive version of brain function in an organism with no brain at all.
In the late 19th century, over 110 years ago, Shinkowski observed the feeding activities of the amoeba Calpidella pugnax and found them so poignantly indicative of intelligence that he remarked that one is almost inclined to see in them consciously acting beings. Scaling up still further, in his fascinating 1919 study, Modern Psychical Phenomena, Harroward Carrington detailed rigorous experiments on a group of especially talented horses which were capable of carrying out complex mental arithmetic, beyond even the mathematical abilities of the scientific men testing them. Their intelligence and communicative abilities with humans surpassed anything previously expected of the equine species. Time is holographic, too. Knowing that we have this incredible universe permeated with intelligence at all scales, the holographic principle demands that these different expressions of consciousness must be integrated and woven together in a unified psychic tapestry, interconnected in ways unrestricted by space-time, non-locally. This is what psychical research and parapsychology have overwhelmingly shown. I cite many experiments proving this point beyond all rational doubt in the grand illusion, a synthesis of science and spirituality. The respected parapsychologist Dean Radin analyzed the results of variations of experiments on the sense of being stared at, constituting 33,357 trials over 60 experiments from publications cited by Sheldrake and others. The overall success rate was 54.5% as opposed to the 50% expected by chance, registering odds against chance of 202 octodecillion, that's 2 times 1,059, to 1. Even accounting for an estimated file drawer of 6 unreported negative studies, odds against chance remained absurdly high at 1,046 to 1. There is an observer effect on living systems, in other words, and we can, under certain circumstances, as I explained in the grand illusion, attribute it to a visual ray. More generally, though, in order to observe anything you have to be aware and thus inextricably linked with whatever is being observed, since we are all entangled at the most fundamental level of reality, which is a unified field of consciousness itself. The research of the Global Consciousness Project, GCP, has yielded irrefutable proof of the link between the quantum sea-slash-vacuum and processes occurring within the collective human mind on Earth. The GCP has set up all around the globe, some 65, as at 2007, random number generators, RNGs, whose data is fed into the internet and linked back to Princeton University. The team looks for correlations in the data between the RNGs. For instance, in data from four hours before the September 11th terrorist attacks, the GCP found an enormous level of coherence between RNGs, indicating a hyperdimensional forewarning of a large impending event and collective subconscious focusing on it. The period immediately surrounding the event shows a huge spike in coherence as humanity's collective mind was focused consciously on events as they unfolded. The same results occurred before the Asian tsunami of 2004 and during the funeral service of Princess Diana, whose death occurred under highly suspicious circumstances. The September 11th RNG's deviations from chance represented the largest such deviations for the whole year of 2001. Though there are many other sources substantiating the notion, the GCP alone has effectively proven that, 1. Consciousness is a real something, 2. It is hyperdimensional, in the sense that it can see into, because it exists in, the near future, as well as the present, and 3. Collective consciousness focused in harmony, resonance, can affect quantum events, strongly suggesting that consciousness is itself more fundamental than any form of energy-slash-matter in so-called space-time. As I demonstrate in The Grand Illusion and its forthcoming sequel, consciousness appears to be synonymous with the non-electromagnetic, spiraling torsion forces of the universal ether-slash-vacuum, which Western science largely pretends don't exist. It is this energy that appears to be responsible for virtually all mind-matter interactions documented in the annals of psi research and quantum non-locality in general. 
it is not unreasonable to think of torsion as consciousness in action. Anything that spins, as all atoms do, generates torsion waves, and any organism or structure made of multiple atoms generates its own aggregate torsion field. In fact, virtually every process imaginable generates torsion waves which remain embedded as informational fields in the vacuum-slash-ether-slash-fabric of space. A tornado-like vortex, for instance, can be thought of as a static torsion field. Some researchers use the terms scalar and torsion interchangeably. See the grand illusion for much more information on this fascinating area of research. It is interesting to note, as Lynn McTaggart does, that if you simply reverse presentiment and or precognition and call it backward influence, so that all future mental activity influences the present, you maintain the same model and results as seen in various retrocausation studies and in GCP's research. All precognition might be evidence of backward acting influence, all future decisions may always influence the past through the temporally non-local process of morphic resonance. This can be adapted to fit the torsion picture which reveals that, since past, present and future are nested together in the now, there really can be no ordinary linear causality to start with. Using the late systems theorist Dewey Larson's reciprocal model, we can quite effectively account for such phenomena, and we have the late Russian astrophysicist Nikolai Kozurev's experiments to further support the idea, since he and others who replicated his work, were able to measure a force, the flow of time-slash-torsion, emanating from the future positions of stars. This implies that the future is in some sense present here with us in 3D reality because hyperdimensional torsion fields are transtemporally present. Thus, time has three dimensions, or operates three-dimensionally, it is not a one-dimensional river flowing towards an imagined future. Co-opting Larson's ideas, we might speculate that presentiment research has perhaps indirectly shown that the astral aspect of the psyche is responding to a stimulus that, to it, as a torsion field, occupies the present, but which has yet to unfold linearly in our explicate order experience of reality. In August 1958, test officials at Eglin Air Force Base in Florida were conducting experiments with a supersensitive infrared camera, to see if they could photograph events after they had occurred. Infrared cameras are sensitive to even minute heat rays emitted by objects. The camera they had devised was so refined it could detect differences in thousandths of a degree. With it they took a picture of the base parking lot, which was empty at the time. But when the film was developed, it clearly showed cars that had been parked in the lot several hours before but that were not there when the picture was taken. The report of this experiment was carried by the Associated Press in an account published in the Miami Herald. Because the infrared camera was classified, the Air Force refused to say how far back in time the camera was able to go, nor were any of the pictures released to the press. Does the past still exist right now in the infrared frequencies of the M-spectrum? Relativistic physics says the past still exists in the space we occupy, as does occult doctrine, while it is known that informational torsion fields can linger virtually indefinitely, coupling with M-energies which then leave a detectable imprint of the past in space. Vladimir Poponin and Peter Guryav's experiments on the DNA phantom, elaborated on in the Grand Illusion, speak directly to this concept. Evidently, the infrared zone is a magic window through which we can view, to a limited extent at least, the Akashic record. Going one step further was English inventor Harry Oldfield's technology. Working in a cemetery with his PIP, polycontrast interference photography, imaging system, which detects the light that interacts with subtle energy fields, such as human auras, Oldfield captured not only discarnate presences, but the presence of a mausoleum and stone monument in the background. These structures were of particular interest because they were no longer standing. They belonged to an earlier century, probably some 200 years prior, around the time of the Napoleonic Wars, according to a cemetery employee. Apparently, 
The past is always present as static torsion fields coupled with electromagnetically detectable light, just outside our normal perceptual range. For me, this research lays waste to the notion of time as a one-dimensional linear flow in which each present moment fades into oblivion as it becomes the past and it offers strong support for the notion that the Akashic records of the past can be perceived consciously and read by sensitives with the necessary faculties. Effectively, this research appears to prove Larson's theory that time is three-dimensional, one dimension of time for each of space. Moreover, such material also supports the holofractal universe concept, since we can see now that the ever-present past is always nested within the now, meaning that time is indeed holographic, whole in every part, and unfolds in a fractal, self-referencing manner. Copyright Brendan D. Murphy. All rights reserved. Brendan D. Murphy is an Australian researcher, speaker, musician and author of the groundbreaking work, The Grand Illusion, a synthesis of science and spirituality. Brendan is also a certified level I facilitator of the Regenetics method of DNA activation, as well as a Psych-K and personal transformation facilitator, and has received formal EFT training. Check out The Grand Illusion at www.brendanmurphy.net. Adapted from The Grand Illusion. Reprinted with permission.